0: it all stand to be a little better with money, right? Whether it's investing smart or saving more, there's room to grow our own financial literacy. I'm Nathan Cohn. Welcome to the Trinity University Learning Together podcast series. I work at the public radio station in San Antonio where we sometimes characterize what NPR does as the nation's biggest continuing education course. And that's why I'm happy to be introducing this series for Trinity, featuring faculty, alumni, and other distinguished guests who have established themselves as experts in their fields. It's all part of the university's lifelong learning initiative designed especially for alumni. Today, you'll enjoy a conversation on fundamentals of budgeting with finance expert Josh Sigmund, class of 2001.
1: So the rule of 30-30-10-30 is a rough, you know, if you add that up, it adds up to 100. So think of it in terms of percentage. Mm -hmm. So whatever your income is, the first 30% has to go to taxes. You don't have a choice or you go to jail, right? The idea is the next 30% is what you should shoot to live off of.
0: Josh Sigman is vice president of Legacy Mutual Mortgage. This is the first of the four-part podcast series titled Steps to Financial Success. Dr. Dante Suarez, associate professor of finance and decision sciences, will engage him in the conversation.
2: Hello, Trinity Tigers. Uh, welcome to a Learning Together podcast series as part of lifelong learning initiatives presented by Trinity University's Office of Alumni Relations. I'm Dante Suarez, Associate Professor of Finance and Decision Sciences at Trinity University. It is my pleasure to present Josh Sigmund, class of 01. He is Vice President and Senior Loan Officer with Legacy Mutual Mortgage. Uh, Josh Sigmund's uh, strengths are leadership, negotiation, communication, and closing skills. He has more than 15 years' experience in professional sales in the mortgage industry. Josh, thank you so much for uh, being with us uh, today. Thank it's, you. It's a pleasure to to be, uh, unfortunately, meeting you for the first time because I'm, I'm I'm learning here that you're class of 01. Yep. I started at Trinity in 01, so I think you left in May and I, I came in August. No way. That's fantastic. Uh, uh, so there's a, a lot of things that that we want to talk about. Just uh, getting to know you here, I'm learning about the kind of things that you do, and um, in your business, and I want to hear more about what you feel that the the mortgage industry uh, where it's going right now. But but let's begin by by hearing about your story, how you got to Trinity, how did Trinity prepare you for for life after yeah, absolutely. Uh, college.
1: Absolutely. So uh, I was a uh, a kid that grew up all over the place. I grew up in ten states and three countries. Oh my god! Wow. Uh, my parents were not military. Actually, my dad just liked to move a lot, and and it's one of the things that I love. Uh, one of the reasons I love to read is because of my dad. Uh, and, and basically growing up, he had a massive speech impediment. Wow. And with that speech impediment, he didn't actually get over it till just before high school. And so he was an introvert. He'd stay in his room and read. He didn't really have a lot of friends. And, uh, and he was a poor kid growing up in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And, and, so, and he really just literally just liked to travel.
2: And that's and well, the whole
1: family with him. Well, yeah. So, so what, what came of it was he was graduating and the way he describes it to me is, uh, he'd, he'd grown up his whole life in Pittsburgh. They, they, his, his dad would sell, Vegetables on the side of the road, among other odd jobs, bartending, things like that. And uh, when he graduated from high school, um, he said, "Hey, I'm never going to live in the same same place longer than three years." Wow! And his entire life, he's, he's never stayed. So it's, he's 72 now, 73 now, and and every three years he's gone. So uh, growing up, um, I had an unusual upbringing because I got to live a little bit of everywhere uh, around the world and, and this in the uh, country, um, but. In that, I think part of my mindset was I thought I was a rich kid. You know, I get to see the world. Not everyone gets to do that. I right. get to the beaches or live at the mountains or go skiing or do all that fun stuff. And um, my decision to come to Trinity was an interesting one. Um, I, I really had no direction in my life. And so I applied to 16 schools. And at mm-hmm. the time, I was in St. Louis, Missouri. And I, I'm about to pick which school I'm going to go to. And I applied to 16. And um, my mom woke me up one morning and said, Josh, you have to decide. We have to let somebody know. And I'm a big believer. I'll figure out wherever I'm at. So I woke up that morning and I made a tournament bracket, and I literally flipped <laughs> the coin between 16 you, schools. You really did, We're and I ended up at Trinity you. University. So that how was did, my. How did you originally hear about Trinity? Uh, actually, a guidance counselor uh, at yeah. at Country Day up in St. Louis uh, introduced me to the the idea, and I loved it. I want to be a private schools, uh, a small private schools. Just um, I get lost really easily. I'm an ADD guy. Mm. I don't need lots of distractions. Right. Turns out there's plenty here too, but. But, uh, it's, at, but so Trinity was lucky we, we won yeah. that, that bracket. And, so, yeah. and, and you remember sort of like kind of like not knowing as much about it and then just,
2: well, it won. So yeah, you're so, ready to go.
1: Exactly right. And so and that's really where this finance story kind of begins, because I, I showed up at Trinity, um, you know, my freshman year, and I'm super excited and meeting friends and really fell in love with the campus and, and uh, what, what, we were, what I was working on, which happens to be finance and economics. Right. And um, I got a call at the very end of my first semester of freshman year. And uh, it was the the bullet that rocked me. And basically, my dad called me up, and he had six sentences to say. He said, Josh, I got bad news. Mom and dad are getting a divorce after 34 years. Somewhere in this, the attorney spent all of your college funds. So you get a choice. You can drop out of college right now and go to work, or you can work your way through college. Let me know what you want to do. And uh, he hung up. uh, Sounds like a a pretty dramatic telegram there. Yeah, yeah. And I point that out because I really do think that – you know, most people struggle with money in one way or the other, but most people aren't willing to do what's necessary to change until there's some massive pain. And unfortunately in the grown up world, that massive pain might be uh, a divorce or it might be uh, a bankruptcy or a foreclosure or waking up in your fifties and recognizing you're nowhere close to having the savings for retirement. And so for me, I was fortunate. I look back on that. I had my, my money pain in my teens. I mean, I was 18 years old. And uh, so that kind of began the story of of focusing on this and, and working on it my whole life. So, so you feel like uh, many people need a shock to get started. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, uh, motivation usually comes from uh, pain, and so you know th- there's always the idea of I'd love to have, but we're not willing to give up uh, those things along the way. So long story short was you know I I, I had too much pride to drop out of college. Um, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but it was a pride issue, and so I didn't. And I worked my way through college and took out a few student loans, and I graduated. Mm-hmm in 2001, I had somewhere around $45,000 student loans. And my mom called me up and, uh, she said, Hey, uh, I'm super proud of you. And I'd like to get you a, a graduation present. So go pick out whatever car you'd like to uh, like, and I'll make all the, the monthly payments. Wow. Which is like, you yeah, that, know, that, that, that's great. Yeah, it was, great. It. Yeah, it was yeah. great. it was like, Oh, wow. You know, I'm back to the rich kid status. Right. right. Okay. Um, and my now wife, my girlfriend at the time, uh, told me, "Hey, kind of remember what happened a couple of years ago? Maybe you should be smart about this because I'm thinking about buying a, you know, a BMW or a Mercedes or something right. like that." <laughs> and uh, a red convertible. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And uh, instead, I, I end up uh, getting a uh, a Ford Exploder. Mm-hmm. It had about sixty thousand miles on it already. It oh, was wow. uh, from so CarMax. Yeah, my wife talked me into it, and uh, thank God because the payment was three seventy one twenty five. The loan amount was uh, twenty two thousand dollars, and my mom didn't make a single payment. Really, and I didn't have a job yet. So wow. now I'm I'm one month after graduation. Uh, I have a new car payment that I didn't need, and right. I have a, a, a student loans coming down the pipe in six months. Wow. And so. In many uh, ways, I guess you can only trust yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it. and I say this lovingly, mom, if you're listening, I love you to death. I hold nothing against you. I'm very lucky that this all happened early on. So, right. Um, you These know, kind of challenges uh, like, yeah, you need them. We need those challenges. And, and it, it just so happened that was the case for me. So uh, I didn't have a job. I couldn't get a job at first. I thought I was gonna be a stockbroker out of, uh, out of college. Right. And of course I graduated in 2001 and you might remember as a finance professor, uh, stocks did not look very good in 2000, 2001 because it was the first major tech stock fall. Right. Uh, The famous dot-com bubble. Yep. The dot-com bubble. And, uh, and I couldn't get a job and uh, my, my wife introduced me to insurance sales of all things. So I got into insurance sales. Okay. Uh, I was super proud of getting the job until I found out they actually hire anyone. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) They'll take you. They'll take you. You want to sell? Exactly right. And you did well there? Uh, I did very well there. You know, I have a great mentor that lives locally named Mike Ardondo. Um he, he took me under his wing and, and taught me a lot of things I, that uh on a different series we talked about, uh sales specific. Um, but the main thing was is is and this kinda goes back to your question of uh how do you get started, you know, I think uh, I was very prepared from a standpoint of academically uh coming out of college, I was prepared to uh read financials and uh you know, right. in my chosen courses I was I was book smart. Right. Uh, I was not yet uh, street smart, right? And um, and and this is one thing I hope some of some of the people listening happen to be students in this case, not just alumni, right? uh, Because I I didn't really feel financially prepared necessarily, right? uh, About how to balance the checkbook and uh, credit cards and all that stuff. And I I think about the amount of debt I had amassed by just going to spring break. You know, you go walk down the the street in spring break and. You get a free T-shirt if you sign up for a credit card back right. then. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I had, I had like six t- T-shirts. And I <laughs> remember um, it was literally because I didn't have a clean shirt. So I was like, I need a T-shirt. Oh, this is a great idea. Let me get a, a credit card. <laughs> and, uh, and then as I ran up the balances during spring break, what I would end up doing is, like so many people do, is they, they transfer it to another balance for 0% for the next six months. Right. As was kind of the way to hook into another credit card company. right? And you never, I don't think, really believe you, get, you have to pay the piper. And of mm-hmm. course, those those start rolling down eventually too. So yeah, for sure,
2: for sure. Um, yeah, as an educator, I can tell you that uh, we've been trying to, uh, and I, th- I think we've made progress in trying to make uh, uh, education at Trinity more experiential.
1: Great.
2: And then also we started a personal finance class. That when we yes, first started it, yes. it was like uh, I thought it was a class that was going to be for non-business majors, but I, I've I realized immediately that that all business majors were signing up for it. Uh, cause it's sort of like you, you don't quite get that in yep. a traditional finance book. Uh, and that's maybe something that we can talk about some said that. key things that, that one should think about before graduating from college.
1: Yeah. Uh, the fact that you said that makes me smile because as a mortgage guy, I've got a, I've got an abnormal view into personal finances because, you know, uh, I think so many of us look around at the professions out there, you know, doctors, lawyers, uh, you know, whatever you think about. And I think we have an association of that person's well off. Right. Um, right. You know, right. and you can go down the line the stereotype, of stereotype. Absolutely. The stereotypes or what cars are driven or whatever. And I'm on the other side of it where, as, uh, you know, kind of looking like a doctor, thank God I forget. Like I look at it, I diagnose, I forget. Right. Right. Uh, for privacy reasons, no names will be brought up. Right. Out. Yes. But, you know, some of the, the richest, quote unquote, people I've ever met happen to have jobs like janitors. Right. And some of the poorest people I've ever done loans for were you know, massively successful, quote unquote, doctors. Right. So you, you,
2: your extremes so of who's the poorest yeah, and richest. Absolutely. Uh, don't judge
1: the book by the cover is real. Oh wow, uh-huh. It is so real. I, have, I had a person walk in one time early on. And I remember looking like, you can't buy a pair of shoes let alone a house. That was my first thought, you know, I was a young 22 year old kid. and right. And that guy could buy 15 houses in cash. And he just walked in with his flip flops on and he was ready to go. Hello, this is Danny Anderson, President of Trinity University. Thank you for listening to the Learning Together podcast series, brought to you by Trinity's Office of Alumni Relations and Development, and produced here on campus by our friends at KRTU 91.7 FM. We're so glad you tuned in today, and we appreciate your continued support of lifelong learning at Trinity University.
0: Welcome back to the Learning Together podcast from Trinity University. I'm Nathan Cohn. Let's return to our conversation with Josh Sigmund and Dr. Dante Suarez about the fundamentals of budgeting.
1: You know, I, I think that it really matters to start understanding what those laws and rules were. And so I think it's a good segue into, you know, kind of the the finance tips I want to teach today a little yes, bit. is absolutely. Two of my um, favorite clients that I had again early. I, I feel again so lucky. So many my early mentors and things that happened to me were early and when I was young. So this is literally like my seventh and my ninth uh, closings, like literally the first right, ten the very closings first that I've ever uh-huh. done. And uh, that janitor story and the and the doctor story are real. So I'm doing this loan for this doctor, and he comes in. and, and Mind you, this is during uh, liar loan days. You know, when you get into oh four, oh five, oh six, liar loans were. What do you what mean do you by think, that? Yeah. What I mean by that is uh, a stated income, stated assets, meaning uh, a client could walk in and say, I make blank, I make 20000 a month, and mortgage lenders w- legally did not have to verify that. You know, you take them by their they, they word. Almost, they, yeah, it's, didn't <laughs> they didn't want to? They didn't want to, they didn't need to, they didn't have to. Let's pretend. Uh, exactly right. Um, you know, it's in theory, uh, the early times, and we can go into the history of this later on, but. Uh the early loans did perform because there were restrictions on credit scores that people had to have or at least the minimum amount of money down but as those performing loans kept on happening they basically loosened the guidelines so you could have horrible credit and no money down and still state your income and that just doesn't work and we're starting to see that again a little bit right now but I'm 21 yeah. I'm, uh, I don't have a job my yeah, girlfriend's exactly pregnant right. give me a uh,
2: 500,000 exactly to buy a right. house exactly right sure. exactly
1: right but uh so this this doctor walks in and it is during the liar loan days And literally one of the hardest loans I ever got through, because basically every dollar that he was going to earn for the next 20 years was spent in debt. Okay. So the income he had that we did verify, he did qualify barely, but literally the amount of debt he had under uh, on his credit card was insane. And so the, I remember about five days prior to closing, um, I got a call from my underwriter saying, Hey, We repulled credit and there's a new debt. There's this new sixteen hundred dollar extra debt on his credit, and I was like, "What are you talking about? He can't afford it." So I gave him a call. He's like, "Oh yeah, my daughter turned sixteen, so I bought her new Porsche." Wow. Right. So I mean, that's the mindset: is money's infinite; it'll never go away. And and he was just spinning everything. So I had to make him uh, withdraw money from some of the retirement he did have to pay off the car to make sure that debt was gone, so we could finish closing the loan. So I'm looking at that like, wow, you would think this guy's income is way sufficient. I mean, it was it was well over half a million dollars, just to be clear. And, and he was he barely qualified for the loan, right? He didn't really know this. It was uh, not, not really in his radar. Being yeah. a great doctor does not equate to being a great business person. Right. Right. And I think that's what you were pointing out earlier. It's it's uh, uh, the fact is when your personal finance class for Trinity, it's not just for the non-business uh, degree. It's right. for everybody. Like right. people need yeah. to learn these lessons. So, yeah. you know, you follow that up about four or five clients later and this guy who's a janitor from a small town in San, outside of San Antonio. I'm not going to say where. Uh, he walks in, the guy's probably 65 years old at this point. And uh, I see his his checking and bank, account, bank accounts and he literally has $7 million in checking. What? Yes. Okay, now I'm not saying that's a financially smart idea either. Okay. Right, because it's making no interest, right? Right. But he literally has like $7 million, $6, $7 million in checking savings, right? Wow. And he's asking permission. Like you think about the mindset change right. He's asking permission to buy a $300,000 house with 50% down. Wow. Okay. So I'm looking at this guy like, <laughs> are you, uh, kidding are you kidding me? Kidding me? Like, yeah. where's the, where's the, where, you know, roll tape, you know, right. what, what, what show uh, am I on? Yes. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I asked the normal questions you would think of, uh, as a young guy. My first one was, did you hit the lottery? You know, right. like, because you're a janitor, you certainly can't have this much money in the bank. The answer is no. The follow-up question being from Texas is, uh, do you own oil fields? Like, are you getting residual the answers? No third question was, did you inherit the money? And he didn't inherit the money. I said, okay, I'm listening. Exactly. How did you come up with this money? Right. And he taught me a rule that, that I'll teach today, uh, which is basically the rule of 30, 30, 10, 30, mm-hmm. what which do you mean is, by that? yeah. So what he said is, and I'll never forget the day that, my, that I die is, listen, it doesn't matter how much money you make. What matters is that you save every month, right? So the rule of 30, 30, 10, 30 is a rough, you know, if you add that up, it adds up to 100. So think of it in terms of percentage. Mm -hmm. So whatever your income is, the first 30% has to go to taxes. You don't have a choice or you go to jail, right? So the first 30% gone to taxes. The idea is the next 30% is what you should shoot to live off of, right? right? So that should be what your, your, your monthly costs are. Now, realistically speaking, I understand that some people listening to this would say, that's impossible based on my income. Right. right. This right. is a goal. And so over time, it's something to work towards. But right. Obviously, you, you have to
2: shift this up and down Absolutely. depending on, on your income level. Maybe your taxes won't be 30%. Absolutely. 30%. Exactly right. right. I, but, I but just about on average. So that's the idea. Shoot for right? 30%. Like, yeah. Right. 30%. So take care of taxes then live to 30% a on something uh, yep. very, very constrained.
1: And then now you've got 10%. So uh, I believe in charitable giving personally. Uh, some people might not or not have the ability to. So again, right. this could be an area that you might live off of as well. Uh, but I believe, you know, shoot to give 10% of everything. And the last piece is then save 30%, right? Right. So yes. what, you're, what you're dealing with is your tax 30%, you're living off of 30%. You're saving 30% and you're giving 10%, or that's your fluff money, whatever you think of there. Right. Right. And so I looked at him and said, okay, you're Yoda based on your results, so I will listen to you. And so, literally, starting back when I was 23 years old, I started living uh, 30, 30, 10, 30. And like, I want to be like him. I want to be like that guy when I grow yes, up because yes. I don't like where I'm at right now. Uh, I right. didn't tell you at Trinity, I, I literally ate uh, tuna fish from a can with mustard for almost every meal. I, 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 I was living skinny. Right. Um, but it, it worked. And so 30, 30, 10, 30 was just a great number to shoot for. Um, and you've been basically following that rule. I actually since? absolutely do. And I awesome. track it every month. So, uh, now I can save a little bit more than that in most months, but, um, it's because I've got no debt now. Right. Um, so, you know, you get to shift things over time there too. So it's just a really, it was a really interesting dichotomy to, to meet those two types of people right. and the yeah. prejudice of thought that comes behind who right. and what these people can and can't afford. It's absolutely incorrect. So I, I've learned, uh, you know, the, my mom told me when I was in kindergarten, you know, never judge a book by its cover. It's right. real. It's, it's in my industry. It is for sure real.
2: Yeah. And and, and my classes, I always te- talk about like, you know, think about the mathematics of the interest, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, so it's like the, in Star Wars, the force <laughs> and you can be on the good side or the dark side of the force, yep. right? And uh, it, it'll hit you really hard either way. So what you were talking about, like going on spring break and putting $5,000 on your credit card it doesn't sound like that much but yep. you know the vast majority of people in america have something like five thousand dollars in credit card debt and take an average of something like 10 years to pay it off yep and if you add up how much you end up paying off with interest it ends up being something like sixty thousand dollars yeah so it's not that you don't deserve the vacation is that you really have to write understand the right numbers out of it that that is going to cost you something like sixty thousand dollars now think about it twice.
1: Yeah. And, and actually uh, there's a rule that you guys taught me here at Trinity, which I, I remember from finance called the rule of 72. Right. And, uh, and what I did in, instead of thinking in terms of, cause I think for the average student, 20,000, 60,000, those aren't real numbers, right? It, it doesn't, we don't understand what that really means yet. Right. Right. Because of course we're going to graduate and we're going to make a hundred thousand month one, right? That's what we right. all think. So it's a really weird, you can't connect the dots, but set a different way. What if the choice was when you're going into the supermarket or into a, a Dillard's, you look at that $50 shirt, and instead of reading the price tag as 50, you say it's 150, going from 20,000 to 60,000 to 3x. So this shirt, and it's not going to cost me 50 bucks. this shirt is going to cost me 150 bucks, right? Would I make the same buying decision? Right, right? Because I look at those shirts like there's not a chance to buy that shirt for 140 bucks yes, uh-huh. or, or whatever that you're equating it to. And I think we really need to break it down to that kind of math if we're choosing to charge and carry balances. Uh, but for the, sure. But the rule of 72, just for the, the, the listeners, is real simple. You take 72, divide it by whatever the interest rate is, and that's the amount of time it takes for the, the principal to double. And it works both ways. So in a savings rate, it works from a standpoint of, let's just say that you're earning 7% uh, on your money. 72 divided by seven, basically every 10 years, your money doubles. So you, right. it's a great thing, but it works the opposite way as well. So, so if you've got an interest rate of 7% on your credit card, right. every 10 years, you're paying for it again. And so it's a really uh, easy, and easy normally to, you'll have a much higher rate mu- than 7 Much 7% higher, yeah. You. Especially when you look at this day and age of checking savings money market of 0.00000025%, it seems like. Right. there's There's no gain, but man, they'll take the money real quick from you. For sure, card.
2: and the credit card, uh, and depending on the loan, and if you go into payday loans and these kinds of things, are going to have a really high yep. interest rate that that'll make that that's the dark side of the force. That's what yep. you want to avoid,
1: right? Like credit <laughs> cards as the devil. I haven't heard it called the dark side of the force, but that's that's spot on actually. Cool, that was great.
0: Thank you so much for listening. Today's podcast was recorded and produced by Trinity University's KRTU radio station for the Office of Alumni Relations and Development. New podcasts will be released on the first Tuesday of each month. For more information about our Learning Together podcast series or to suggest topics for future consideration, email us at alumnipodcast at trinity.edu.